You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, teacher, mom, photographer, and chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. In a few minutes, we're going to listen to a conversation about Alligator Reef Lighthouse in Florida. It's nice to have you co-hosting for the first time in 2023, Michelle. Thank you also for taking part in the Zoom recording we did recently for episode 207, last week's episode, about all the recent storm damage at various lighthouses. There was, of course, damage at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse here on the New Hampshire seacoast. It's a place that means a lot to us. The wooden walkway leading out to the lighthouse was mostly destroyed, as you well know, you were uh, among yes. the first to, to go there and, and uh, see what had happened. We talked about it a lot in the uh, episode we uh, recorded uh, for last week, but I guess uh, the shock really hasn't worn off yet, has it? No, it hasn't. I'm still, you know, I see pictures and it just is still shocking to me. You know, as we talked about before, it's not surprising, but it is shocking, you know, to think that how angry the sea can get and the power that it really has and the damage that it can do. Yeah. Well, we've had sort of hints at it before. I know that um, back uh, long before we were involved, but in the blizzard of 1978, there were pictures showing part of the walkway broken off near the lighthouse. So there was that. And then uh, last January, when the, the Coast Guard station there was flooded pretty badly, uh, the end of the walkway near the lighthouse was pushed up and actually moved over maybe a foot, something like that. And yep. I think it just pushed that much harder this time and the whole thing just, just broke off. So there's a lot of balls in play at this point, a lot of things under discussion, and we're certainly hopeful that we can have tours this season. Let's hope, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll just take it a, a day at a time, and uh, when we have some concrete news to report on the podcast, we'll certainly do that. Absolutely. So has anything interesting happened on this date in Lighthouse history, Michelle? Yes, Jeremy. On January 15, 1912, the Punta Gorda Lighthouse in Northern California was lighted for the first time. Punta Gorda was very isolated, and the nearest town was an 11-mile horseback ride away. In 1951, the Coast Guard abandoned the lighthouse and replaced it with a lighted buoy. All that stands today is the ruins of the lighthouse and an oil house. Yeah, I've I've never walked out there myself, but I know people who have. The four-mile walk on the beach to the lighthouse is considered part of a a trail called the uh, Lost Coast Trail. And just the shell of the lighthouse is left, but I've uh, heard that it sometimes serves as shelter for hikers in bad weather. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, our subject today is one of the Florida Reef Lights. Michelle, please help me tell our listeners about Alligator Reef Lighthouse. Sure, Jeremy. The Florida Reef Lights date back to 1852 when Cary's Fort Reef Lighthouse was completed under the direction of Lieutenant George Meade of the Army Corps of Engineers. He later became famous as General Meade in the Civil War. Sombrero Key Lighthouse was built a few years later, and then Alligator Reef was built as the third of the reef lights in 1873. Isla Morada is a village encompassing six of the Florida Keys, about midway between Miami and Key West. Alligator Reef Lighthouse is about four nautical miles offshore from Isla Morada. The reef is named for the U.S. Navy schooner, Alligator, which was launched in Boston in 1820. 
the alligator made two voyages to Africa to intercept ships engaged in the importation of slaves. It then became part of an anti-piracy squadron based in Key West. The 86-foot schooner went aground on the reef that now bears its name in 1822, and it was blown up so it couldn't be used by pirates. It's one of the many vessels that have met their doom on the reef's jagged coral. The lighthouse was established on the northeast end of the reef in 1873 with a light 136 feet above the water. The iron skeletal tower stands on pilings that are driven 10 feet into the coral. The cost of construction was $185,000, making it a very expensive project at the time. A rotating first-order Fresnel lens produced white flashes every five seconds, with every sixth flash red. The lighthouse was home to a keeper and two assistants. A devastating hurricane in September 1935 did much damage and temporarily darkened the lighthouse, but the keepers survived. The storm killed 423 people in the region and produced the lowest barometer reading ever recorded in the U.S., 26.35. The light was automated and de-staffed in 1963. Then, in 2014, the light was discontinued and replaced by a small 16-foot tower nearby with an automatic light. Five years later, the lighthouse was made available to a new steward under the guidelines of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act. That process culminated in 2021 with the deeding of the property to Friends of the Pool, Incorporated, a local nonprofit organization that has held an annual eight-mile round-trip swimming race to the lighthouse. Today, we'll listen to a conversation with two of the leaders of the effort to preserve Alligator Reef Lighthouse. Rob Dixon is a longtime charter fishing boat operator based in Isla Morada, and he's the president of the Friends of the Pool. Larry Hurlf is a metal artisan specializing in incredibly detailed replicas of the Florida Keys lighthouses, and he's also a swimmer who inaugurated the Swim for Alligator Lighthouse. He's known widely as Lighthouse Larry. I was really impressed by their passion to save Alligator Reef Lighthouse. So let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking this afternoon with Rob Dixon and Larry Hurlf of uh, Friends of the Pool. And both uh, Rob and Larry are, are very involved in the effort to save the Alligator Reef Lighthouse in Florida. Thank you so much for being with me today, Rob and Larry. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, uh, Rob, you just mentioned something to me when we first got on our Zoom call here. You mentioned that you've been uh, actually taking part in a, in a fundraising event like just now, right? That, that actually just uh, completed. Is that right? Can you say a little bit I'm just, about that? I'm just drying off. Actually, yesterday about this time. Okay. We, we, we called it uh, Swim All Night for Alligator Light. It's kind of a, an awareness slash fundraising campaign. And we were accepting donations. Our lighthouse is savealligatorlighthouse.org. So people could go there and make a donation for what we were doing. But but there was a group of us, some not even from this area, they came down from Massachusetts, one of our, some of our wow. coaches. Friends. But we swam uh, a mile every hour. And then whatever time you have left in that hour, you can rest, get something to eat, get a little hot shower, jump back in the top of the next hour. And so we did that from 9 a.m. Saturday till 9 a.m. Sunday. And boy, it was, uh, it was a character builder. I had to really do a lot of soul searching between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. It was, oh, my God. Wow. It was a difficult challenge. I'm still pretty sore. Ah, we well. Congratulations on, on completing it. So you swam where uh, a mile? Uh, Founders Park Pool. That's this is uh -huh. where it all started. So I think if if our village hadn't incorporated uh, 25 years ago and built this amazing eight lane 
50 meter pool at Founders Park. I don't even know if all this would be happening because that's where the charity started friends of the pool to help programming and to keep things going and to help coaches. Okay. Um, so we have some great events. We've had Olympic athletes, a bunch of the top notch athletes from the Beijing Olympics were training here prior to the Olympic games. So we've seen, you know, Gary Hall and junior and senior and some like Mike Kavik and just on and on with these, uh, it's such a small little town, but we have such an amazing facility and all the college teams are, are coming in throughout the winter to train. That's like their little winter break treat to come down and swim under the palm trees with this putting green grass that's all around. It's one of the most beautiful facilities of any pool you'd ever see in the world, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it is a true uh, Olympic size pool. Okay. Yeah. With dive wells is also, it's, it's, a, it's incredible. Founders Park Pool, you can Google it and look at the pictures, but it is just yeah. nice, nice place to be. And we spent all night there and back and forth, back and forth. We, we also do a lot of open water swimming. We can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So yeah, I do want to get more into that in a few minutes, the friends of the pool and of course the involvement with the lighthouse, but uh, Rob, uh, just a little bit more about your background. You have a fishing charter business. Is that correct? Yeah, I was, I was actually a design draftsman up in Delaware and I came, uh, in Wilmington, Delaware, I came to, um, the Florida Keys, a friend of mine, John Allen, uh, knew him from up there. He moved down here, worked for Shark Institute as a, uh, an animal sciences major. And I, man, I really like it down here. I came and visited him four times over two years and I'd go back to work at my desk and the electric erasers back in that day. And I, you know, I don't know, just, it wasn't my cup of tea. It was interesting. I was good at it, but I really think I was born to be outside. And I loved the Florida Keys the minute I came here. And then he called me one day and offered me a, Hey, there's an opportunity. This guy, he he left the shark Institute because they closed. He's working at one of the marinas nearby. And he said, this guy's looking for a mate. I said, well, I, I know how to fish, but I don't know that kind of fishing. This high keys is pretty high tech, the Florida Keys is. And I said, well, let me think about it. And I just, that Monday, I said, yep, let's do it. And uh, made my move. And everybody at DuPont, I was working for DuPont. They said, you can always come back here, kid. Go down. You'll love it. You can always come back. <laughs> and you <laughs> never went back. I went back to visit, but yeah. And my family yeah. still uh, lives up that way. And, mm-hmm. But no, I, this is my home. And I moved down in 82. So yeah. wow. uh, charter fish for... Uh, uh, several different captains for about 10 years. And then I ran a charter boat for more than 20. Now I work for a, an amazing uh, a guy, Brian DeVries and Barb Pugh. My, they own a private boat, a 52 Viking, a $3 million boat that I run close by. Just just not as many days, but it's, it's good quality time with good people. And uh, so I have time to help with this fundraising as well because charter fishing, 250, 250 days a year gets a little chaotic. So we have a schedule that's a little lighter with uh, with brian and, and barb and his friends and it's just it just fits everything fits just the way it should be sounds perfect sounds like it's really yeah, really worked yeah. out really really well yeah. that's great so so larry you are well first of all of course you're known as lighthouse larry and i think some of our listeners have probably heard about lighthouse larry before but um, ll cool j ll all right so lighthouse larry ll i get it LL. <laughs> yeah so you're a metal artisan and I've seen pictures and video of these incredible, amazing, really detailed replicas of Alligator Reef Lighthouse and other lighthouses that you've built. So what got you started on, on doing that? Well, it, I mean, it really goes back to, I mean, I've lived in the Keys all my life. Since I was two, two weeks old, my mother brought, I was born in Chicago and we, I was brought here when I was two weeks old in 1959. 
even though I'm only 37. <laughs> I don't know how the math works, but I had some friends in Isla Morada that asked me one day to uh, do a, a sculpture for their little marina that they have in a point, um, the Greys, and uh, uh, their boat captain, friend of mine, Jim Daisy, said, uh, man, you should build them alligator lighthouse because we'd all go out there quite often. So Jim immediately takes me out to alligator by boat because I needed some pictures for it. And up to this point, I've never did any type of copper work or built lighthouses. And so when we went out there, we got really up close to it. It was a beautiful day and I was snapping photos. And, you know, it's like anything uh, out of sight, out of mind, you know, you take things for granted. And um, once I was there really looking at the condition of the lighthouse, it really occurred to me that, man, it was just in really bad shape. So I, you know, took the pictures, came back, and I had started fabricating this lighthouse in copper. I, I think it ended up being about 10 feet uh, tall. But in that time of building this, I went online looking for other pictures of it, something I may have missed. And, uh, I went to a um, website called Friends of Lighthouses, which, you know, you can click. It's crazy. Any lighthouse. Friends, yeah. Lighthousefriends.com. Yeah. Craig Anderson, friend of mine. It's yeah. amazing. So I went on it, and here's the crazy thing. Went to Alligator Lighthouse, and, the, you know, with these pictures are the actual history. Mm -hmm. So if you would have asked me at that point, when was Alligator Lighthouse built? I would have said, well, I know it went through the 1935 hurricane. So obviously previous to that, um, as I read the history and finding out it was actually started in 1872, finished in 1873, uh, that just really floored me that here I am a lifetime resident and I, I didn't even know this. And so I started researching more and finding out all six of the lighthouses were built, you know, in the 1800s, three of them before the Civil War. And just, you know, it kind of just caught on from there. And uh, so I built that lighthouse and put it at their point. And uh, a friend of mine that worked for the newspaper, he stopped by one day driving by seeing me in my driveway <laughs> work at building this lighthouse and his name's Steve Gibbs and uh he goes Larry what are you doing now and I said hey Steve do you know the history of these lighthouses and it it just you know I and I, I'm not sure if it was him or not but someone at that point called me Lighthouse Larry, and it really stuck from there. But that's what really got me started uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in building them. Yeah. And you've got a few of these replicas in various places where people can see them. Is that right? Oh, yeah, quite a few. Cayo Grill in Isla Morada. The city of um, Marathon 
commissioned me to build Sombrero Lighthouse, which is often uh, for their north and south, you know, boundaries of the city. Um, those are 14 foot Sombrero Lighthouses. Um, but I, you know, I have a lot of, you know, people that get married in, in Isla Morada, they want a keepsake and, you know, they have me build two or three footers um, to, uh, you know, commemorate their, their wedding. <laughs> and, What's your uh, but, tallest? Is it Kayo is your tallest one? Yeah, Kayo's 20 feet. Um, I did build the uh, Nauset Lighthouse at Well Harbor in Isla Morada. Um, the uh, restaurant there, that's a that's 30 foot. That's a 30 foot uh, replica of Nauset Lighthouse. On Cape which Cod. I'm, which I'm sure, you know, it's what's on the potato chips. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I if, if I mention Nauset Light to people and they don't know what I'm talking about, I always say, well, you know, Cape Cod potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> Well, NASA light would have to be a little simpler than the something like alligator reef, a little, a little simpler to create a, a replica. Just there's in the pieces of alligator lighthouse as what we're, you know, going into Rob and I and, and the friends of the pool, there's virtually thousands of individual parts yep. that make up that, that lighthouse. So sure. Yeah. In, in, in building it, uh, I'm cutting thousands of pieces each. If it's a steel sculpture or a copper, there's, you know, at least two bronze welds or, you know, welds per piece. So, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of hours in, in just a simple, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm take you to I'm going to take you to build the Kyo Lighthouse. That's your, your uh, Oh, that. Kayo 20 footer, I have probably 300 man hours uh, or more. It, it's, you know, that was quite, uh, but the crazy thing is it's the same amount of cuts in a 20 footer as a four footer. Just different size pieces. <laughs> Just different size pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely incredible to me being somebody who can't build or repair anything. I'm in, I'm in awe of somebody like you. Uh, so do you do other kinds of artwork besides the lighthouse? Oh, yeah. No, I do stone sculpture, uh, bronze, um, wood. I mean, I build houses. I build my own homes. Uh-huh. There are pieces of art. His homes aren't just a, a box sure. with some stairs. They're, they're well thought out and yeah, they're artist, very artistic. Well, wow, I wasn't aware of all that. Do, anything you do, you can look at it as art. And that's what I try to uh, just enjoy what you do. Yeah. Well, that sounds like really good advice to me. So let's uh, talk about the swim a bit here. The swim for Alligator Lighthouse. It's an annual open water swim, uh, eight mile round trip swim from shore to Alligator Lighthouse, Alligator Reef Lighthouse. Started in 2013, I believe. And I understand I was looking at the website. It looks like you're going to have almost 500 swimmers next September, right? September, 2023 yes. will be the next, next swim. So uh, Larry, you were involved in the, the start of that. And Rob, I'm not quite clear if you were there at the very beginning, but if not, it was soon after that, but maybe uh, uh, I don't know which one of you wants to start. Larry, but can, I, give you, Larry can give you the history of the beginning. He started, yep. he's, 
he's a guy with the crazy ideas. And then I'm always there to say, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And that really, uh, you know, it, it works out well, but you know, back, um, you know, the coast guard was threatening to uh, turn the light off yep. of alligator. You know, the, there was plans uh, in the future of actually putting a, de- a new marker uh, which is there now, uh, concrete columns. And with GPS, do you really need a lighthouse anymore? That's debatable. Um, I believe they do. But so I, I was getting frustrated, you know, after uh, the newspaper came out with an article about me building that first one and me talking about the history. And about a year went by, and it was 2012 it just seemed like I was getting nowhere. So I decided one crazy day, I don't even know how or why, but I decided, you know something, I did a lot of triathlons. I said, I'm going to swim to Alligator Lighthouse and back and I'll bring attention to it. And uh, someone, whoever we were talking to, got a hold of Andy Newman, who's with the uh, Tourist Development (laughs) Uh, council. And he, you know, he decided to make this some type of a news event worthy event. So about two weeks before I decided to swim it, I decided uh, with a friend of mine, I I said, Hey, I want to swim halfway to see if I can even make this before, you know, uh, this whole news event starts. So on the way, it was kind of a rough day, but a friend of mine's, you know, following along with me by boat. And I swam from lazy days out to alligator one way. And right as I, um, Oh, and a quick funny thing, a friend of mine's beside me in his boat. I'm out in the middle of nowhere by myself and he, he's trolling and I'm Tom, what, you know what? I'd rather you not have bait in the water. <laughs> so anyhow, but as I hit the white sand patches, which are just over a mile from the lighthouse, it, it really stopped me uh, dead in my tracks. And I come out of the water and I said to Tom, I said, this would be the greatest open water swim in the world. Uh, and so I went back to swimming, made it, no problem. Well, when I got back, I, I called Rob and uh, I said, Rob, you know, a friend of ours, uh, Bob, brought up one time we did the swim around Key West. If, you know, we need to come up with some kind of a swim for Island hey, Bob Rob. Rich. Sure. Right. Bob Rich. And, yeah. uh, and I said to Rob, I said, here's the swim this is it, man. Do you guys want, you know, the friends of the pool, um, do you guys want to do a yearly event? And I don't even think I had it completely out when Rob said, you know, let's, let's do this. So that's how that all started in that following year. But when the news uh, a few weeks later, 11 days later, when we swam it, we had John Olson, Olympic gold medalist, and the whole fighting manatee teams took turns swimming with me. 
uh, as I swam out to it and, and back. And uh, it, um, it just exploded. It was in every paper from here to Washington State. Um, and it, it definitely got a lot of uh, notoriety. And um, that's where we went from there. And then it was, you know, a matter of putting the the swim together and, and Rob, you know, he can fill you in on all that. So. Yeah. We originally started friends of the pool. That was our organization to, uh, there was some funding from the, from the village, our local village to keep programs going. Cause a, a program here can't have, you know, hundreds of kids in your program. There's, you know, not quite as many people in a small community like this, say, as opposed to say Miami or Fort Lauderdale these stipends and some of the coaches were getting finally got taken away and we're thinking, well, we like to swim there. You know, we're just the older folks like to, you know, recreation and get some exercise, but we're thinking, well, once these coaches all go away and programming goes away, we just have a, a hole in the ground water and it's not really a pool. There's nothing there. So you need to have things going on. So we said, Let, what are we going to do? We started a, we did a, uh, a swimathon and we raised about 20 grand immediately we got things rolling and then we started to have an event which was uh, the aquatic ball it was a, a big dinner party for 300 people around the pool and that went well um and then this swim came up and now you know we've kind of dropped the dinner party seemed like it would rain on us every year but we still got through it and from it but this is our our fundraiser uh yeah. you know that kept things going and it has been since 2013 it's just grown and what red bull uh uh, a seventh seventh toughest swim in the world they said so it's uh it's getting a lot of traction yeah wow uh i'm just wondering typically when the swim takes place uh what is the the typical water temperature 80s low 80s to mid wow. 80s i think yeah, and, and you, you'll be swimming along sometime it'll be a little warm near shore to start sometime out there no there's these springs that come up and you you're swimming like you just got a little blast of air conditioning. And like Larry said, when you, when you hit that white sand and that's kind of, you've already swam three miles and you're like, all right, well, you know, conditions are always different. And then you mm -hmm. see that white sand and you, anything you're thinking about, you forget. You, you see starfish and sea urchins and lobster traps. Turtles. And I, I had one time I was swimming along and uh, I had a, something bit me on my toe a little. I turned around, there was like a school of uh, 40 bait fish. And they were just thought I was their leader. And they, they kept me company for about two miles. It was, it was pretty cool. It's always an experience. Everyone goes away with a story. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had, yeah, we just had an amazing time with it. It's just, it's just a phenomenal event. And people come from all over the world. We usually have people from about 40 different states and from all over the world. We have Australia, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico. It's just on and on. Everybody's, yeah. uh, it's a swim that everybody wants to do. It's really exciting. It's so beautiful. It's just gin clear water. Yeah. And, you know, Alligator Lighthouse has the most, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most species of fish in the world in a single location, wow. um, which is pretty amazing. That is. We've even had uh, engagements, our good friend Jeremy Lynn and Nicole, they got together uh, on one of the swims. And the, the first year, the first swim. And then the next year, Jeremy lived down here for a while. The next year, he we all knew that he was going to propose at the lighthouse. And he and his wife-to-be, Nicole, were swimming together. And they were doing great as a two-person team. And he said, come here, let's just stop and get a picture. And we had 
Andy Newman would set up the photos. It was all ready. And she goes, no, no, no. We need to go. We need to go. We need to go. No, <laughs> we're going to get beat. And she, he finally convinced her to stop and he gave her the ring and uh, they proposed at the lighthouse. So it was uh, uh, it's quite a it's got a yeah. lot of stories to tell. Is this Jeremy Lin, the basketball player you're talking about? No, Jeremy no. Lin, uh, a swimmer. He's a breaststroke. <laughs> oh, okay. he, he swam with our other swim coach down here, John Olson, who was the captain of the U.S. Olympic swim team in Atlanta in 96. Jeremy Lin swam with him uh, on a relay, I think a gold medal relay. Um, you know, uh, four by maybe four by 100, you know, breast I am. So Jeremy was the, uh, the breaststroker, great, yeah. great people. So, yeah, there's also the basketball player named Jeremy. Lin, yeah, L- exactly. L-I-N. yeah, exactly. So, wasn't quite sure. So friends of the pool, uh, eventually, uh, just actually just last year, I believe, right. Got ownership of the lighthouse. Right. It was a, a long process. We wrote the application when we found out it was an option to be awarded a lighthouse because the first step is, uh, as we know, maybe some of the listeners don't know, there's a application process. If they feel, if the government feels that you're worthy of raising the funds and making the project happen, you'll be awarded the lighthouse at no cost. Um, and that's what we were shooting for. So we ended up, uh, a friend of mine, Betsy, uh, helped me, uh, put this application together. Actually, I helped her. She's very good at this. Uh, and organizing and getting things together. So uh, we got that put together, but it was probably 600 hours of work. It was a lot of nights and a lot of long. Uh, <laughs> the application, two copies I had to mail off weighed eight pounds. So it was a lot of paper plus digitally they wanted it. And then we yeah. waited. You know, we submitted that in 2019. And then it took two years until they uh, made the decision. Well, they did come back one time after about nine months. And they had another 45 questions that you had to answer because uh, with uh, the government, the Lighthouse Disposal Program, you know, your application is your contract with the government. So they want to say, we asked him, do you know how many windows are in here? Do you know that you have to be within the historical codes? So you by, that's basically you checking yes to those boxes. So we had to go through and answer another submission. And then it took uh, just about two years. We found out what about two weeks before uh, the swim last year is yeah. when we notice uh, and i had so much on my plate running the swim from down here uh there was a couple other things going on i said well i just can't take one more thing on my plate I'm, and then i opened up my emails and, and i said well i better just get a bigger plate yeah because I, I got we i called larry we're both of the interiors you know and i'm like oh my god it actually happened you know from the secretary of the department of interior like it happened it was like never worked so hard for something and waited so long and here it is. I'm like, now what are we going to do? Yeah, <laughs> so, right. You know, that, that was the thing, you know, when <laughs> I was notified by someone that, you know, they work uh, to be given to a nonprofit. Um, I, you know, and after years of trying to make people understand that they were going to cut the light off and they did. And when they did, oh my God, everyone was upset, but you know, you should have already told you. <laughs> I've been telling people. So when when who someone called me uh, with the GSA saying, you know, you should, you know, get with a nonprofit and you should try for this lighthouse. I immediately, just like the swim, I called Rob. I said, Rob, man, maybe we should try and get it, you know, with friends of the pool. And Rob, okay, <laughs> you know, once again, 
uh, you know, head down and here we go. And uh, Rob and Betsy's, there's a lot of work involved. And yeah. uh, we got it. That was a remarkable day, to say the least. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> I don't have any doubt that we can get it. Don't have such oh, a great I think they're so philanthropic. Everybody down here just wants, it, it, it's, I told Larry, it's so great to be involved in a project that's not a 60-40 or a 50-50. Half the people love it, half the people hate it. Sometimes you're fighting, you know, votes and governments and stuff. Like, this is like the old commercial. Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. You know, everybody loves Alligator Light. What can yeah. I do to help? What can I do? Where can I send some money? So, um, you know, we need some big money. So that'll, that'll be coming with the foundations and things like that. But everybody down here wants to be a part of it and will be by the time it's finished. I think everyone in our little community will have a role to play, whether it's a connection, whether it's a donation or, you know, whether it's actually being a part of the team that works on it or, you know, there's some of the administrative, there's a lot of connections are a big part of it. So we uh, we're making those very quickly. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, lighthouses, as, as you know, they're often like sort of like centerpieces of a community. And I'm sure that's how f- people feel there. It's our Statue of Liberty. I say it's, this is our Statue of Liberty. It, it right? is on our seal as Isla Mirada. It's on the, the city logo. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go anywhere without seeing it. It's it's yeah, you're right. It is probably the the soul or the centerpiece of our of our entire community here. It's it's a very important. A lot of people have relatives that have been lighthouse keepers. And, you know, my my great great grandfather worked on the lighthouse. My you know great uncle was out there. You know, during the storm, and you know, just just yeah. I used to have a I have a picture someone sent me of her grandfather on the phone out there. I guess they had a cable that ran out there years ago. Yeah, and they got no, they, the old, old time phone and wow. like stuff I didn't even know. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a cool project to be involved in. We're so lucky. Yeah, well, there's, a, there's a lot of locals that their ashes are sprinkled out there. I mean, hundreds of them. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I actually spoke with a gentleman today that's commissioning me to build a four foot alligator. Uh, he lives in Tampa. And, you know, I asked him, you know, what's his tie with alligator? And he said his daughter is sprinkled there. So that... Uh, um, it actually changes my thought on what I'm going to charge him. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, that really pulls your heart out right yes, there. Yes. So, you can make a donation to the lighthouse, Larry. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we can yeah. work that out. Maybe a 50, 50, who knows, but that's, yeah. that's nice of you. Very kind. It is. Well, let's, let's just touch a, a bit on the, the history of the place. Uh, Larry, maybe you're the one to answer this, but why was the lighthouse needed at Alligator Reef in the first place? Um, well, it all started in uh, November 2nd, 1820, when the USS Alligator was launched in Boston Harbor, which was a 86-foot schooner, and it had 12 guns on it, which back in that in those days, it looked like a, a gunship, you know, <laughs> in Iraq war. Um, it was pretty daunting to pirates. And it was sent to the west side of Africa to actually stop slave ships coming to the Americas. So it, you know, spent a short time there. And then in November uh, 1821, virtually a year later, it was actually in a harbor in Cuba. 
and it actually was uh, defending the Florida Straits, but it had, you know, heard about some ships on the other side of Cuba being attacked by pirates, and so it went and defended them. The captain of the USS Alligator was actually shot and fatally wounded. Uh, so the second in command uh, brought those ships and the USS Alligator back to Florida and they were going to Key West, but it kind of outran all the ships because the schooner, it was a very fast vessel. But at 9.30 on November 19th, which was basically a, a year and a couple weeks old, it ran aground where Alligator sits today. Mm -hmm. and they could not get it off the, the reef. So they ended up on the 21st actually scuttling it and burning it to the waterline. So, you know, they're... The National Marine Sanctuary right now is even really have some digs going and looking for the actual hull to it. Um, but that's that's what started it. So they had in the years after that, they uh, put markers there. They were doing different things. So but in and finally in uh, the government at the time finally deemed to put a you know, light there, which that's where, you know, in 1872, uh, and it was first lit in 1873. Yeah. Must have been and, an incredible construction project to build something of that magnitude. They were all completely built in shipyards. Right. And prefabricated, then yeah. Prefabricated, taken down, and then re erected uh, in. Actually, Alligator was based, they, you know, based it out of the construction part out of Indian Key in, mm. in Colorado. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's local names that helped uh, work on it uh, even back then. But, um, yeah, they um, that design was basically taken from the design of uh, Sombrero Lighthouse, which is off of Marathon. Je uh, George Meade, when he you know, built the uh, Sombrero Lighthouse, uh, 1858, he designed it. And then when the Civil War started, he became General uh, <laughs> George Meade, yeah. who beat Robert E. Lee at Gettysburg. You know, he was the leader of the Union Army. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the history, that's, it's just, when you just, any of the six lighthouses, when you just start reading the, re, you know, researching the, the history, it's, they are major parts of our maritime history in America. Yeah. So, I mean, they are definitely worthy of saving. Um, and, and hopefully we, we can completely restore it, uh, alligator in, relight it as a navigational beacon i mean that would be the dream of dreams but love yeah, that people yeah. be able to, to get on it to access yeah. it eventually yeah and well, take let's, a tour you yeah know, that's our hope we'll get back to those thoughts in a few minutes i want to talk a little bit more about your your plans but just to finish up about the history uh it was home to a keeper for many years right actually a principal mm -hmm. keeper and two assistants is that correct 
Right. Uh, up until 1965, when they automated them, put mm-hmm. batteries and such on them, and the Coast Guard virtually really took uh, control of them for that. But before that, they were basically like they were naval vessels. They had a lighthouse keeper and then two tenders, two guys that, you know, lived in the quarters. And, you know, up until 65, they were all in very good condition for the fact they were kept up like ships, naval ships, you know. Um, so it, it, it's like a house. Yeah. A lived-in house is lived in. Once it's, it's empty, it goes bad quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Any, uh, uh, sorry, go uh, ahead. Uh, no, as far as the keepers, they were all, you know, manned and uh, they all had keepers, you know, consistent. And, you know, that's uh, the keepers notes that, you know, logs that they would write every day, just like a, a ship captain in the 35 hurricane. You've got to see the, the that log and how, you know, it it got pretty messy out there. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? I was going to ask you about the 35 hurricane. What happened? Right. Well, the 35 hurricane, which I still think today had the lowest barometer reading in history. So it was, you know, debatable, but probably still the worst hurricane ever to, to hit, you know, Isla Morada. Yeah. Uh, it, that is what ended the, the railroad. Um, Congress decided to take the railroad property back and put the overseas highway there but in the 35 hurricane the keepers um you know they battened down the hatches and it started you know finally it was blowing the glass out up top and uh it it was one heck of a they were actually stuck out there for almost a week because their boat was lost their dinghy that would you know bring them in and out and no one from the keys island marauder was going out to check on them and so they sat out there for a you know a, a week even though i would have just swam in but that's me and uh, <laughs> but uh yeah there was a, a lot of people lost their lives in the 35 hurricane yeah yeah but the lighthouse may have saved theirs well that's oh true. yeah no, even sure. though it was dicey if they've been on shore, they might not be here, you know, those yeah. now, but yeah. Incredible that it stood through that. So it was, uh, we're talking just male keepers living there, right? There weren't families living with them. Is that right? Um, a few of them actually did at times have, you know, the family out there, like Sand Key off of Key West definitely had, um, but, you know, the but Sand Key, when it was first built uh, early, uh, I think, 1830s or 40s it was actually built you know a a brick lighthouse and that's a sandbar out there and you know the keeper and i guess he had some guests out there i'm not sure what hurricane it was but they went into the lighthouse to be safe and it collapsed and they all died yeah but yeah, it, it definitely some of them had their families out there, and um, it was definitely all the fish you could catch around them. Yeah, right. Them. That's true. Well, yeah. yeah. 
So let's let's jump to the recent history again. Uh, the uh, Friends of the Pool has been involved with it for some time, and let me just ask you: the the lighthouse itself is replaced as an aid to navigation by a small modern automated light nearby, right? It's like mm -hmm. thirty feet yeah. high or something, like, or no, shorter than that, I think. Yeah, it's um, about twenty some twenty four feet, twenty six feet, mm -hmm. I believe. It's just it's just yeah. an iron, an iron, an I beam, an iron I beam with a light sitting on top of a little a little solar panel and weather station. It doesn't have the charm of Alligator Lighthouse or the history. That's for it sure. only has yeah. room for one frigate bird at a time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's small. Do you, well, that that uh, brings up a, a question that occurs to me. Is there a problem with birds nesting on the lighthouse? It's a, it's definitely a little hard on, you know, the the bird poop is pretty <laughs> acidic, uh, acidic, but not so much as uh, this coming year. Alligator is 150 years old. Right. And, you know, it sits four miles out in one of the rough, you know, most harsh conditions you could put iron. Um, but that said, that's why it's still there is because it is iron right. and it's not steel. They are two different things altogether. Iron, uh, you know, uh, steel will just rust right through where iron basically... Once it's rusted outside, it, it virtually stops the airflow into it. So it does, it does, you know, hold up tremendously well in the, those conditions. Um, you wonder how a structure they could design and build a hundred, a century and a half, a half ago could be still standing with all that it's been through and what, what they knew back then they didn't have cell phones and computers and CAD cam drafting and and for them to design build and have something out there after this much time and weather has passed it's mm -hmm. just phenomenal so in that respect it needs to be these need to be saved because i don't think they build them like they used to as they say <laughs> oh for sure so let me ask you uh, both of you uh, you've been in the light on in the lighthouse right yes. uh so what's that like? What was it like experiencing that for the first time, actually getting in there? It was pretty, uh, some of it was in better shape than, than we thought. And some of it was in a little worse shape. I got a, a photo of Larry through uh, one of the stair treads with a big hole where there's no tread. So we didn't want to step, we were stepping on the outsides of the, how many steps are there? 136 or 130, Larry's the- 135 the, steps. Yeah. So- uh, but each one of those, you had to kind of decide where you were going to step. I mean, we looked at an engineering study from 10 years ago, some photos, and they weren't in bad shape. But I, I think the door from up top had gotten blown off or it was not there, maybe since Irma. I don't know. But, you know, weather has gotten in and just trickled down, I think. And so some of the stairs, the stairs all need to be replaced. And then the, the living quarters was probably in the worst shape. Yeah. Um, but, but to get up top and I mean, it was just like spiritual to get up in the top and think about the history and look out at the view from up there. It is just Larry did a, a circular 360 walk around and I don't know how many views that got. It was a little right. It, it's up to 80 or 90,000 views um, on YouTube. But uh, yeah, on our, well, on the Facebook, uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And, you know, when I was a little kid, I was probably 12 or 13. We actually camped underneath the, the, the bottom was still, the little platform was still there and we were up in it. And I remember it was all, you know, all the uh, rooms were there. It was all beadboard. It, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I remember, you know, what it looked like, the different quarters and stuff. All the machinery um, was missing, but, and there was no furniture, but, you know, it, it, we we want to bring it back to that state, you know. We, we like, we, our, our idea, our thought is to make it historical yet um, functional. So if you could actually, you know, rebuild those rooms, uh, you know, maybe make it a little more convenient have some i mean we'd like to get the cistern going that'd be your water we want to put solar there um and make it somewhere maybe some high level donors or you know people we, we could use it for for studies for you know sea level salinity universities might be able to get out there and, and use it as a platform for for some from for some uh certain studies also we've been approached by um astronomy clubs big ones that say man this is the place to watch the stars from out here um so there's so many um, opportunities, so many thoughts on, and we probably haven't thought of all of them, of, of how many great uses this platform could be, you know, helpful uh, in so many ways uh, once it gets to be restored and safe to be on again. Yeah. The creative repurposing of these things is, is so important. Also, you talked about relighting it as an aid to navigation. Uh, have there been any discussions with the Coast Guard of that? about that yet or yeah, we haven't gotten pre- that far we, preliminary we talked about, yeah we talked about lighting it for uh for christmas we wanted to do something kind of as a marketing type thing and mm-hmm. it's gotten it's taken a while maybe more money than we want to spend on that at this point so we're tossing that around in a, a less expensive version but getting back to the actual lighting of it we haven't had that discussion with the coast guard do you, do you know if others have been uh, restored and relit after. Yeah, that's happened in some places. There have been some that where the lights have been moved to other structures and then move once the lighthouse is restored, the lights been moved back in. So maybe we can discuss that later, but it has happened in other places for sure. So that's something we wanted. The Coast Guard was, we checked with all the agencies before we talked about lighting it for Christmas. We want to make sure we don't want to break any rules. And we had to talk to Florida Keys Marine Sanctuary. These are all people we're working with. Uh, FWC, Florida Wildlife, uh, Coast Guard, and they've been nothing but great. You know, hey, whatever we can do to help you guys out with this cause, we're on board. And uh, we have to get permitting through the Florida Marine Sanctuary NOAA, and it's it's going to be a lot of a lot of steps. Army Corps of Engineers. Um, so we're just getting into that phase. We're waiting on the engineering study. It's yeah. We thought, we thought it would be done a couple mo- a month ago, and it's taking a little more than we thought. So they're they're closing in on finishing that to give us an actual price. This is what needs to be done in what order, uh, yeah. you know, of urgency and in your different phases. So that should be coming from uh, WJE uh, in Chicago. There are engineers, they've done other lighthouses and they're awesome to work with. Really yeah. good guy. So you had two engineers from there out there this past yeah. summer. Is that right? Yes. In August, right. Larry, they came in August, Larry and I and our, our, our charity president, Mike Walsh went out and, and we got them up there and they spent, they spent full two days, two full days, looking at every taking metal samples we helped in any way that we could uh, chip this over here, do this for us. Um, so yeah, they took all their information back and it's a lot to put together a report like that. And we have, and they're doing some of it pro bono, which we really appreciate because they're yeah. on board with the 
project, but you know, there's a lot of metal, they're going to do all the metallurgy, I think pro bono. So there's, yeah, everybody wants to help out. And I, I, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we, we don't have any idea. I think the, uh, the cost, um, at this point, but I think the 2010 engineering study was at about 3.7 million was their restoration cost, but it's been through quite a bit since then. Prices are higher. You know, it's hard, it's hard to know. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Well, I know I saw somewhere the figure of 9 million, but that was probably just grabbed out of thin air. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We're trying to extrapolate from, you know, it's been this much longer. It's in this much, you know, the, the deterioration factor, the cost of things. So they, the, the engineers will actually reach out to um, marine construction companies and they will tell us basically what, what they got back. So we're going to have some good information. We'll yeah. be right on the money with that. Seems likely that restoration won't happen all at one time. That you have to prioritize what needs to be done first yes, and do it in stages. Well, you know, you know, anything seriously in need of structural, you know, we gotta we've gotta secure the lighthouse first and foremost to you know to uh, keep it from ever falling. You know, if we get a category five hurricane. Um, you know, we need it as structurally sound as possible. And the 2010 so. engineering study said that it could, didn't say that it would, but it could fall, it could fail in 10 to 25 years. And that was 2000 and, or 15 to 25 years, I'm sorry. So that's 2025 is the, the short term there. I mean, it could stand for 50 years or 100 years with no, yeah. you know, intervention, but we don't want to take that chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, the design of them is it will take wave and wind speeds just amazing. Um, you know, that's how that's where the skeleton uh, structure came from. You know, there's uh, no mass of, uh, of structure to, to, to push the, against. Exactly. Um, yeah. So they, you know, they're especially in the 1800s, they were incredible feats of engineering um it's it's amazing um yeah although you did have a, a lighthouse in massachusetts the first mine its ledge light was this kind of a skeletal tower and it fell over with two keepers dying in a storm but it was if you look at pictures of it it was more top heavy oh know? oh yeah yeah it was i don't think it was as designed as smartly as as well, these the, reef lights uh nine there's actually nine uh one inch i mean one foot thick iron piling that go down 10 to uh 20 feet into the coral rock mm. uh though that particular lighthouse that fell over i'm not even sure it was probably in sand you know i mean it could have been a under washing that yeah. you know, it was that. in rock it was the, it was bolted into rock but not that not as deeply as what you're talking oh, about yeah but the the legs actually just snapped off. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah. If you there's there was a drawing done after it happened, and there were just the twisted bottom part of parts of the leg still still bolted to the rock. Wow! Um, yeah. But that was in a incredible storm. Um, yeah, that did a lot of damage in the on the in the Boston area. So it is absolutely amazing that these uh, these reef lights have have stood through so much over these these years. The coming year, I think you mentioned this a little while ago, Rob, or one of you did, will be the 150th anniversary of the lighthouse. 
Yes. Is anything particular planned for that? Is there uh, any sort of celebration or events that are planned for that? We're working on that. One of our ideas is to have a big you know, 150th birthday party, mm-hmm. um, a big you know, high-end dinner that we'll have at one of our local uh, uh, venues. It's right on the water that looks out at Alligator Lighthouse. Um, so kind of maybe light it up in the middle of a big party and have a big, you know, a big fundraiser for it. Beyond that, there's some other things that we're not going to talk about yet that we're tossing around as ideas for. It's definitely on our radar to take advantage of it. It's going to be our, our 10th uh, swim, right? Anniversary. Uh, and then it's going to be our uh, 150th anniversary lighthouse. So it's a big year for us. And we have yeah. so many, everyone that comes and swims the lighthouse, which we've had several thousand over the course of the years, they all want to help and they all go back to their towns. We're looking at maybe a big uh, virtual swim where we could do some fundraising. So fundraising's like top on the radar. Our local, uh, we've had several grants approved uh, for 70 and $75,000. That helped us with the engineering study mm-hmm. local, uh, connection there, which was awesome. Um, they continue to give the um, Tourist Development Council, our local Tourist Development Council, who has helped us with the swim. We're always the highest rated event because we bring a lot of people in at the slowest time of year. And it's, we fill up all of Isla Morada and they come and they spend money. They don't just swim and go. They come for three, four, five, six days, but they were also have a fund of a pool of money. That is the capital uh, improvement, capital projects uh, improvement fund. And they give away quite a bit of money for that. And we're able to ask for what you have in the bank. So we could, it's basically a match for the grants that we do get. And we got 115,000 from them uh, this year. And that could increase as we increase our balance in the account. So, and we were, once again, we were the highest rated, you know, project to give to. There's also coral restoration, some of the coral restoration, uh, uh, which is so important as well. We're tied together. They, I think one of them got $400,000. Uh, so it's bed tax money that's being put into some really good places. So we thank them and I, on and on. I think we're just dipping our toe in the water here as far as the fundraising. We're getting our year-end fundraising mailers out to the foundations, I'm learning, you know, as a captain, I'm having to learn all that. So it's all yeah. an education as well, but it's, it's really such a cool project. And it's nice to be learning and not doing the same old thing. I love fishing. I love being out there, but this is a really cool community project and to work with Larry and the rest of our team. It's just, definitely, it's very rewarding. Every yeah. step we get down the road towards it being, you know, back to the way it should be. It sounds like you're off to a fantastic start. Tell me about Lighthouse Lager. What's that all about? It's one of our, speaking of local support, right? It's uh, Cheryl and Craig McBay who own uh, a Florida, Florida Keys Brewing Company just up the street from me here. It's our great local brewery. They're phenomenal and their products are going up and down the road. The distributors now, they're getting bigger and bigger, but they started as a small little brewery here in town. And they said, you know, we'd like to brew a beer that kind of supports your project. So we're going to do a lighthouse logger. It's got a picture of alligator lighthouse on the can. It's got a QR code. You can, it gives our little story on there. It's got a little QR code. You can scan it, takes you to our website to donate right, and learn some more. So um, they said, we'll give you a dollar draft and we'll give you uh, $2 a six pack. And they brewed up the first batch. I think it went, it was all out the door and gone like within five or six weeks. And they gave us a check for 2,080 bucks. They said, here you go. And then, great. Up, and then just grew, brewed up a much bigger batch. And she said, we're almost out of that because people like it. And, you know, there's also the, uh, the fundraising aspect of it, which people like, and they want to help out. And 
tell everybody go, go drink as much beer as you can, like trying to try to help us raise some money here. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. Cause it brings attention to it. It's not just the money it raises, but it gets right. And they, they've helped us with the swim every year. They give our every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every year since the beginning, they've been with us before this all happened, you know, from the swim on. And, and there, there's so many people like that in our little town. It's they're very, uh, a lot of philanthropic uh, people that want to just help out with a great cause. Great. So the other Florida reflights, and there are how many uh, Florida reflights in all? Do, do there, you know there are six. Um, or six, yeah. I started at Foey Rocks, which is off of Key Biscayne, but it's technically in the reef line. So mm-hmm. I call it one of the Florida Keys. But, you know, uh, Foey Rocks off of Key Biscayne was built in 1878. Uh, and then the next one is Carrie's Fort Lighthouse off of North Key Largo, which was built in 1852. That's the oldest of them. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Alligator Lighthouse, which yeah. is 1873. And then um, Sambrero Lighthouse off of Marathon, 1858. The last house, the last one built before the Civil War. And then... Um, after that is um, American Shoals off of Cujo Key, which was also the one of the, the last one built, 1880. And then Sand Key, which was really started the same time as Carey's Ford, but it was built in 1853. Once the lighthouses were in, then the navigation was relatively safe. And, um, you know, then... Key West just exploded because they they turned it into a port of entry, right? Um, which was a big deal. So, yeah. and then Henry Flagler saw the dollar signs and put that railway in. So you could virtually look at the the lighthouses as the reason the U overseas highway is there today. Regarding the the reflights as a whole, again, I know there is a Florida Reflights Association that's working on behalf of them, but they're they're in various stages of disrepair. I'm wondering if you guys have had any thoughts of getting involved with the others, but I know, I think you talk about your plate being full. yeah. The the others yeah. have actually been uh, purchased. I think they've been through the bid process, and I think I think Sombrero Light might have gone for eight hundred plus thousand dollars. So they've been bought. I have been uh, approached by someone that was considering uh, being involved in the bid process, which, you know, happens after the application process. Ours was the only one that was awarded uh, after the application process. And we're proud of that, but the others go to bid. And we just thought, Hey, if this goes to bid, we don't know who's going to get it or what they're going to do with it. So we felt, Hey, we got to get this, we got to catch this ball and take it across the goal lines. It's our job. It's our statue of Liberty. As I said, it's, it's our baby. We're in charge. Let's get it done. Um, The others, uh, you know, someone called and asked me, well, you know, what have you learned? So you catch me up. What do I need to do? I said, we're going to have to let you know as we go. This was six months ago because we're just in the stage of getting our engineering study. And, you know, there's a lot of steps to uh, it's not going to happen as quick as putting up or restoring a house, say, right. um, you know, this it's four miles out there. It'd be so much easier if it was a land-based lighthouse that was accessible. Uh, but, you know, it took us about four months to get the engineering study. We had to keep putting it off, putting it off because we had that pretty nice weather for two days in a row. Usually we do. And for some reason this year, the summer was a little rough in the beginning. So we finally got it done. But yeah, yeah they're, they're, uh, I don't know what the plans are for the others. Um, we're certainly here to uh, 
to talk to anyone uh, as far as what we know, you know, as we get our information, we're happy to share it because we want all to be saved. We want yeah. them all, all to be restored. And, and, and whoever did win, win it, you know, by bid or whatever there, they actually have to fill out the same application as we did and be approved. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, if they are awarded it, even yeah. through bid, they must be qualified. Right. They have to go according to certain guide, historic preservation guidelines, exactly. the rules. They're yeah. in the National Marine Sanctuary as well, so they can't just, we'll do anything we want. We'll make a disco out here. or <laughs> You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of approvals that need to be gained before you can, you know, do what you want to do out there. So, yeah. So I have uh, a final question for both of you. Okay. And this is for bonus points. All right. Oh. You can fight us to who's going to take this first, but what have you enjoyed most about your involvement with Alligator Reef Lighthouse? I would say Isla Mirada, you know, the, the whole community, the people stepping up to help knowing that only one person in all of Isla Mirada doesn't think it's important. <laughs> and I won't name names, but everyone knows how important Isla Mirada is. And, you know, the uh, words of encouragement from people, it's just been phenomenal. But, you know, it's, uh, I guess everyone should have a legacy. And, uh, you know, this is a legacy. And I'm glad to be a part of it. You know, it helps Larry and I stay close. He's uh, in St. Augustine at the time. And we've been good buddies since we met. He actually helped me build my house here 30 years ago. He was part of the, the team. And so so to keep Larry and I, you know, in touch with, with each other, and, and it's going to be a while before this project's done. We, and he's, he makes a trip down whenever we have an engineering study, a swim. Um, he's there for us. But like Larry said, that the people, it's pushing me to my limits to, to learn. You know, it's sometimes I, mean, I just turned 62 on Friday. I'm like, you know, some people could be ready for a rocking chair or, you know, I'm just going to kick back and, you know, watch the birds or something. But, I, you know, maybe I'm a little ADD and I can't keep doing things, but I'm learning so much. I'm learning how to write an application for some learning, how to fundraise, learning about the construction and, and the process. But, but mostly I'm getting to interact with some um, people that I probably wouldn't otherwise uh, with this project going on to, to interact with more of the locals on different levels for what we're doing for the cause and, and to get the energy from them as, as to, you know, their excitement about the project as well. So that just feeds me and, and makes me want to do a good job with this. And, and um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big task. It's uh, you know, a pretty big thing to look at, but you know, I, I just don't feel that there's any way we're not going to get this done. I just feel it's going to happen. You know, yeah, I don't, I've never had a doubt that this from the first minute Larry said, I said, we could do that. And I, I haven't second guessed myself. I know, you know, I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know, you know, how it's all going to come together, but I know it's going to come together. So yeah. it, it's just, it feeds me. It's great. Well, somebody once said that where, the, where there's a will, there's a way. And there's certainly a lot of will here for sure. So uh, yeah. I think the the passion both of you have for it is, is really apparent. And by the way, you guys are just kids. I'm 66. So I've got you beat oh, by, wow. by a bit. <laughs> and I'm still working. I have no... <laughs> No intention to retire Bob's anytime 63. soon. Mm -hmm. uh, Rob's the young in here. Yeah, yeah. Well, are the same, the same general boat. But uh, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing, age means means nothing. So yeah, I mean, I love my 
my, my fishing job and the people I work with. And it's just every day we go out and have a great time doing that. I mean, if, if, like you said, if you're able to enjoy what you do, and a lot of people don't, they just go and, you know, punch the clock and do the hours. And I'm so lucky to have uh, two passions that I'm able to have a great situation with. And, you know, who the heck gets to restore a lighthouse? There's not many people in the world or run a $3 million beautiful boat for great people. It's, it's just, uh, you look back at, you know, you have a busy day and problems where you say, I'm, I'm pretty lucky at the end of the day to be involved in something like this with people like Larry and, and our community. I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled about it. Well, I think you, you are lucky and the area is lucky to have you and uh, the lighthouse world is lucky okay. to have you guys too. So thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing. And I, I wish you, Continued success. And so one of these uh, months uh, in the not too distant future uh, during the 150th anniversary year, we need to have a, a live uh, public uh, Zoom event for Alligator Reef Lighthouse. So I want to publicly invite you to, to do something like that. I hope we can set that up uh, in the coming months as well. Absolutely. We got our number. Maybe get a little, yeah. little more na national attention for it. So Larry and Rob, thank you so much. This is, this is just great. It's really uh, a lot of fun talking with you. It's, it's a great project, and I, I really look forward to following the progress in the coming Maybe months and years. Maybe we can do years. a live remote from the Lighthouse. Oh, wow. Get a nice yeah. day next summer and get, get you out there, and we'll show everybody what it looks like from up top there. I love that. See that. All right. That. It's a date. Let's, let's do it. All right. Thank Lock you so much, in. guys. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. Right. Appreciate it. You can donate to the effort to restore Alligator Reef Lighthouse at savealligatorlighthouse.org. And there's also a contact form on the site if you'd like to get more information. It's definitely going to be a major challenge to restore and preserve that lighthouse. But if there's anyone who can do it, it's those guys. I want to remind everyone to check out uslhs.org to learn more about all the things the U.S. Lighthouse Society offers, including tours, preservation grants, the research catalog, and more. Donations and memberships help support this podcast. Also, if you listen through Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. The author Umer Siddiqui once wrote, quote, May every sunrise hold more promise and every sunset hold more peace, end quote. The next two episodes will feature a two-part interview with three people involved in the preservation of Goat Island Light Station in Kennebunkport, Maine, caretakers Scott and Karen Dombrowski, and Tom Bradbury, the executive director of the Kennebunkport Conservation Trust. It's another place that's very close to my heart. I've been there many, many times over the years. As always, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine.